Hey guys, TJ here. Very excited for you to listen to this episode with Dr. Karthik Ramanan, a friend of mine. I know as Karthik, you'll know him as Dr. K. Um, we go back to Wall Street together. We both worked at Goldman Sachs and he left shortly after I joined the team that he was on and uh, took a total 180 with his life. He went to medical school, became a naturopathic physician. And after another life transformation, he had several life transformations, whether it was weight loss, career change, identity transformation. He is now in a place in his life where he is taking his education in becoming a naturopathic physician, his experiences and some of the things that he's overcome, even just addressing still, which he's very honest about. And he's helping people, specifically high achievers, as an executive emotional health coach. And he takes very practical ways of approaching your life to give yourself the best chance. And I love how he says that. We want to give ourselves the best chance to be healthy and succeed in life. So I think you guys are going to get a lot out of it. We are pulling the audio from a webinar format like we've been doing. Unfortunately, in this particular audio, some of the, um, the you know, my side of the audio came out a little funny. So I appreciate you guys just being uh, patient with that. But you can hear Karthik loud and clear. That's the most important part. Um, I hope you guys get value out of this. We are trying to make some of this content more accessible for you. Um, stick around till the end. There's a very surprising recommendation. I love Karthik's unconventional approach as he starts to kind of dig into, you know, some of the more um, deeper level reasons why people might not be getting uh, the best rest, the best quality sleep that they could get. So stick around till the end. If you do get value out of listening, I appreciate, we always appreciate if you can leave a rating and review. And thanks so much for being here. We appreciate you. Welcome everybody, Dr. Karthik Ramanan on today's session where we're going to be talking about how to improve your sleep and reset your body clock. Thank you for joining us, Dr. K. So glad to be here, TJ. I appreciate you being here. So Dr. K and I, and it's weird to even call you Dr. K, but I just like saying it, Dr. <laughs> K. Uh, I know him as Karthik, and you guys will know him as Dr. K. And we go back to Goldman Sachs in 2012 when I joined Goldman Sachs. Karthik had already been there for about six, seven years. And um, he had already been through an amazing health transformation before I met him. I'll let you share a little bit more about that in a second, but he has gone through several other transformations since having left Goldman Sachs in 2013 and having gone to uh, take his life in really just a different direction is, is what I'll call it. Um, he is now, after experiencing that, that life-changing weight loss journey uh, and changing his career from Goldman Sachs, working on Wall Street to now going to medical school and becoming a naturopath. Uh, physician, a naturopathic physician. He is now the host of the weekly online show, Dr. K's show, dedicated to ending burnout and building emotional health. He's really passionate about helping other ambitious professionals and entrepreneurs build unshakable emotional health so they can live a purpose-driven life. Karthik, I already know it before we even reconnected on Instagram, but you are like, like perfect alignment for, you know, what we're about, you know, and what you're about and, um, and what people listening are really interested in. So I really appreciate you making time today. We're going to have a whole lot of questions um, to go through. But just as a starting point, I have a, a basic question for you. What really is a naturopathic physician? Can you explain for us? Because I think that probably needs some explanation. Yeah, for sure. So uh, naturopathic physician, we are 
trained a traditional four-year medical program. We understand, uh, you know, we learn all the basic sciences, uh, diagnosis, uh, labs, all that stuff, uh, as well as we go into, you know, cardiology, endocrinology, all those, uh, all those body systems. But from a treatment standpoint, we learn traditional treatments, uh, pharmaceuticals. So we take, you know, a whole year of farm. Uh, but we also learn other naturopathic therapies like botanical medicine, mind-body medicine, uh, physical medicine, uh, list goes on, uh, Chinese medicine, acupuncture. Right. So the idea, the philosophy behind it, it's not about the therapies themselves. The philosophy behind it is what do you need to do in order to restore the body's ability to heal itself? Because when we're children and we're learning how to ride a bike and we fall over and we scrape our knee and we cry. And then after we're done crying, uh, what happens? I mean, we wash it, cover it up, you know, neosporin, whatever, cover it up. And then it heals. It's just that when we get older, that doesn't work as well anymore. It doesn't have to be the case. It doesn't have to be the case. There's so much about it that is lifestyle oriented, as I found with uh, nutrition. Uh, but also, as I started to dive in further, healing begins and ends in the mind. And uh, you have to see yourself as somebody that is healthy. You have to see yourself as somebody that does not have uh, said diagnosis, because sometimes people identify so heavily with their diagnosis, they're not willing to give it up. Uh, and it shows up in either not doing the treatment plan or sometimes doing the treatment plan, but the under your, your body will always do what is consistent with who you believe you are. So I love getting into that psychology aspect of it, that emotional health aspect of it. Um, so yes, anyway, that was, that was what naturopathic medicine is. Uh, it's, it's, a it's, you know, we, we sit for a, a licensing exam. It's a national exam. Uh, we get licensed by each of our states. I think right now we're at about 24 or so states in the country that are licensed for naturopathic physicians. Um, so if, uh, if that's something that's of interest to you, I highly recommend, and actually that's one of my recommendations for <laughs> get better sleep is, uh, get your own lab values tested and work with somebody that understands that either is a naturopathic physician, a licensed naturopathic physician, or um, even a, a functional medicine MD who understands, you know, what you would need to do in order to restore that balance. Um, but it's super important because each one of us is different. The things that I'm going to talk about today are some best practices, some ideas. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I'm a doctor, but I'm not your doctor. And what's going on for you is unique to you. You're a unique individual person. And, uh, you know, there's no rep replacing individualized medical care. So there's not a substitute for that. That's my standard disclaimer, but you understand it's not medical. Advice. I love it. I love it. And tell me a little bit about what inspired, because honestly, your story is super inspiring. I remember even just, you know, walking down the, the aisle when we were on the trading floor at Goldman, walked down the aisle, I'd see Karthik. And I just remember the thing I remember about you, Karthik, and you mentioned this before we hit record and I, I see that. Um, because this is a webinar format, I see that big 64 ounce <laughs> hydro flask. And I remember one of the things I remember about you is you had these big mason jars with your juice. Yes. And yes. one of the first things you told me is juicing changed your life. Now, can you tell me a little bit about your background? Because we really, I really believe your mess can become your message and you have turned your past into a platform. You've yeah. decided to not 
you know, functionally use your license that you paid good money for, yep. spent a lot of time and energy getting, but you're using it in a different way. Yes. And you're now doing health coaching, executive health coaching, so you can reach a larger group of people, so you can really make the most impact. And that stems from, you know, in, in many ways, you had to have an inspiring moment in your life. And I believe there's been several, but so I would just really love to hear if you, if you care to share about that, the weight loss journey, and then even maybe the light bulb moment that led you to make a total 180 in your career. If you Sure. Sure. Um, well, I, I, there's, there's a whole journey before this one that, uh, would take another episode to go into, you know, uh, college and, and the, uh, mental health challenges at a time when it was a little harder to talk about those things uh, than it is right now. But eventually, short story was one of the best things that ever happened to me. Odd thing to say, but came out of it stronger, better. Went to Goldman, um, and it was like a whole new world. I was really excited to get to, you know, contribute my skills and my analytical ability in uh, for the purpose of like helping the team and grow this business. And uh, so I had a, a great professional um life at that point we were talking 2005 six seven right and um in those early stages those analyst stages which you remember um so but at that point uh one thing that was you know from the outside high achieving you know high functioning everything on the inside people didn't know what i was struggling with because i still i didn't even admit it to myself if i was being honest with you know i had overcome all these challenges from college uh, but I still had some things left over that I hadn't addressed. Didn't feel like it at the time I was still moving forward, but my body told a very different story. I was 250 pounds, five foot eight. And, um, and Just every visually year, so people can know right now, because you're not 250 pounds now, how, what, you know, you're five, eight, how, how much are you now? Uh, that's another story, but I'll, okay. I'll come to <laughs> Because I'm like, people need to know. It's incredible. I lost it's 100 incredible. pounds at one point. Yeah. Oh, my um, goodness. And then I didn't master another element, stress, which now I'm so passionate about helping people with burnout. So, okay, I'll cut forward. I ended up regaining a lot of that weight in medical school because of the stress level. And now I understand that it's not it, like I was doing all the same things, though, that got me to lower my weight. But the problem is when you are in a stress response and you have constantly elevated cortisol, you're not going to be losing weight, you know, if it's quite the opposite effect. Um, and uh, so now I'm in a position where, you know, hey, let's address burnout. Let's address some of these things from a from a HPA axis, adrenal, adrenal fatigue function uh, uh, level, and um, supplement that with really high quality, you know, plant based nutrition, and allow that allow your body then to adjust and lose weight appropriately which is so i truth be told i'm on a second weight loss journey right now but uh, not That's as incredible. significant as the first one it's just you know it's it's like the it's like the i had to learn this you know by coming back which is screwed with your head you know it's like hey i'm anyway so i'm getting ahead of myself let's go back to the <laughs> <laughs> um, can I, can, if, I, if I may, yeah. because what's really important here, I want to highlight, we have another episode we did on addressing adrenal dysfunction with registered dietitian is one of our, um, one of our health coaches comes in and works with, you know, our clients with Kristen DeAngelis. And um, so very familiar with just even some of the struggles with, you know, when, when your adrenals break down, when everything just starts falling yeah. apart, it seems, let's just put it this way. If I were to summarize some of the things that you're saying is so what you're telling me is you can't juice your way 
to happiness. You can't, you, you can't even eat salmon and kale to, uh, you know, to have the perfect body. There's no right? one size fits all. There's it's no, there's really no true. one plan. Yeah. yeah. So That's it's, why it's so good to work. It's so good to work with a physician who can help you with that, a naturopathic physician or a functional medicine doctor, because they can see where you're out of balance and not just give you some generic advice. As I talk about some good best practices for sleep in this uh, in this discussion, but nonetheless, <laughs> uh, but it's true. You know, it's you no, know, you can't juice your way out of it. Actually, that's quite the opposite thing of what you want to do if you are at the hypocortisol version of HPA axis dysfunction because you actually need that caloric intake in order to just pick yourself up and function. Um, you can't exercise in that state. You have to do all these other things to slowly support your adrenal function to rebalance your HPA axis. And at that point, you can start to get a little bit more aggressive with weight training and, and whatnot, you know? So, right, so this is amazing. This is amazing. So let's just start that. Let's use that as a launch pad because I really believe this is, this is a, I have a passion for this particular uh, you know, topic of conversation, which is you can't over-exercise your way to a more rested state. You can't under-eat your way to a more rested state. And what I find is that people are, they're over-caffeinated, dehydrated, and trying to cross-fit their way to a better life. Which makes it and worse. And they're under-eating. Exactly. It's making, it's almost like they're just destroying their body in when it's already on the ground, they're just giving it the, the knockout punch. And the part that and I jump in and say, why is that? Great question. Why no. is that? Yeah. So if we really get honest with that, you know, I can tell you why I went hard. Felt like I wasn't enough. Plain and simple. Start to address some of those things start to implement some good healthy practices that are appropriate for you at that point in time. And all of a sudden, things start to open up. You start to get back into homeostasis, into balance. Mm. Mm. Let's, let's, let's talk about that. So there's, you know, and we kind of think about it, if you think of a pyramid, one of the ways I try and describe it is at the base level of the pyramid, and there's three sections, okay? Base, middle, top. And many people, you know, high achievers, that is, because that's mainly who's listening, they're, they're, they've gone hard in life. You know, they've done the Cornell, they've done the Wall Street, right. they've done the weight loss journey, the, all the things that I'm just speaking to your story, right, where you've done things that in other people's eyes, it's like, whoa, man, those are, those are not easy things to accomplish. And so you know that you can do the harder thing, right? right. The problem is when we find ourselves, our body is in a state that you were describing, maybe a chronic state of fight or flight mode, right? So you're in sympathetic tone all the time and you're just kind of self-destructing and they find themselves burned out. Right. And if you think about this pyramid again, visually, so the base level is recovery, the middle level is sustainability and the top level is optimizing. And many people are trying to optimize, figure out mm -hmm. what peanut butter to buy. Right when they yeah. really need to be thinking about, are they eating enough peanut butter, apples, anything in the recovery stage in the yeah. first place, they're trying to optimize too early because they're so used to being a high achiever That's the that they haven't zone. leveled with themselves. Yes. Right. To say, I need to get to the baseline level of recovery. So if we start this conversation on, Hey, you know what? My sleep sucks. Yeah. And I'm stressed. 
regularly, not just because of maybe the circumstances of COVID and this and that, but I have a personal life right. and circumstances in my personal life have caused me to be stressed. Maybe my lifestyle, Karthik, maybe because I work out five days a week and I don't have the appropriate lifestyle habits and even exercising. And I'm, when I work out, I work out too hard and I'm starting to become aware of that. Maybe I don't eat to support my body because I don't know, A, what my goals are, B, how I can eat to support my body. And so maybe I'm just kind of at this stage where I'm kind of learning, hey, I've got some hormonal imbalance. I know if I just set my schedule to go to sleep, that's not enough. So talk to me about if, if people are at that base layer of the pyramid in the recovery stage, so to speak, they need to be kind to their body. They need to to understand some basic things about themselves and that first level of awareness to improve their sleep. What would you say to somebody in that situation? Sure. I, I think the first thing to understand at the highest level is we as human beings have amassed a practical and, you know, a, a, um, a practical level of knowledge, but as well, a, a, just an understanding of human physiology, the universe, everything that is far beyond any other species. And yet there are a few fundamental truths. We're the only species on the planet that does not know what to eat. Every other animal knows what to eat. And we still argue and debate and whatnot, you know, keto or vegan or whatever, right? Uh, it, so, and, and with sleep, we have, especially since the Industrial Revolution, we have convinced ourselves that somehow this living organism that is fundamentally created in similar ways to our pet dog or anything, you know, like we're mammals, we, uh, we have a lot of things that are in common and yet we feel like we should be able to work harder, you know, be around blue screens, not sleep, team no sleep, badge of honor, right? All that stuff. And for it to not have an impact on us it will have an impact on you. Maybe not in the short term, but we cannot outrun the biological laws of nature. We can't. End of story. Now, some of us, we react to stuff like that and be defiant. No, I'll show you. It, nobody has ever won that, okay? Maybe you'll be the first, I don't know. But <laughs> the flip side of that is, okay, well, obviously we're not gonna all go just live in the forest right? So how can we find some practical ways of honoring the way that this human system works while uh, still doing the things that we are awesome at as humans, growing and contributing and all those things, right? And there are ways. That's, but it starts with, let's understand a little bit more about how the body works so that we can do things that are uh, a little bit more in line with, uh, with nature. Ultimately, if we live a little closer to nature, we'll be a little healthier. Just makes sense, right? So, so it sounds like that's the starting point. If we need to yeah. first accept we can't fight our body, hormones always win. Yeah. Willpower will not win against hormones. I say that all the time. I feel like I've learned that the hard way multiple times. It sounds like you have as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I the still hormones get reminders. Will always win. I mean, because we're all human. We <laughs> still want to, we're still high achievers, right? right? We still want to grow and do things. And, but yeah, every so often I'll get the, but now I'm so much more aware that it's like, whoa, okay. The axis is off the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. That's off. I got to intentionally relax today, not relax. Like, okay, I got to just, 
lay down and then you're just fuming about all the things that you have to do, that's not relaxing. Uh, if you're thinking about work while you're relaxing, that's not relaxing. You got to put it on your calendar. I'm going to lay by the pool, whatever, you know, and, uh, and that's that. Let's talk about if the goal is awareness, okay, because it sounds to me, hey, the best starting point is understand how the body works. You don't have to be in perfect, you know, in, in perfect sync all the time, but understand that there's imbalances and there's balances and we need to kind of get into this, uh, this rhythm. So if we're talking about it in context of sleep, I have a question. I'd love to come back to the HP axis later. Um, you know, HP, I'd love to come back to that because I think that that level of awareness and even recognizing, hey, this is off will be powerful for everybody listening. But if we were to start with just, okay, you know, Dr. K, tell me what I need to know about how the body works so that I can at least start to become aware of some of these things that you're mentioning that might be impacting my sleep and my circadian rhythm. Okay. Well, let's talk about uh, a couple hormones uh, before I get into the actual practical tips, which we'll get to. Uh, I got a few of them for you, which uh, I think you'll find useful. Um, I think it's important to understand two hormones. And it's not to say that there's no other factors that are involved here, but these two play a major role, melatonin and cortisol. So melatonin, um, well, basically, again, we're talking about your, your circadian rhythm, which is influenced by these uh, hormone levels. Um, and uh, to have a properly functioning circadian rhythm uh, is not just important for your emotional health, it's important for your health in general. So uh, our master regulatory gland is in our brain. It's called the hypothalamus. Uh, it's in the center of the brain. And its primary job is the regulator of homeostasis. Think of it as um, it creates balance. It is a thermostat. Uh, many of the body's thermostat-like functions run through the hypothalamus. So one such mechanism is uh, circadian rhythm regulation. Um, and that's orchestrated by what's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus. It receives light information from the eyes and then sends that information elsewhere, uh, like to the pineal gland, which is also in your brain. The, that information is then used to secrete melatonin from the pineal gland. So melatonin, you can think of it as your stay asleep hormone. Uh, it's not necessarily going to knock you out, although if you have enough of it, it will, like as a supplement. Uh, but think of it more as your stay asleep hormone because it is secreted by the pineal gland in darkness. So you can start to think about what impact that has. If you have streetlight coming in through your window at night, if you have an alarm clock that's right there, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're looking at your phone, light is going to screw up your pineal gland releasing melatonin, which is your stay asleep hormone. So just throwing that out there a little early. Um, so the presence of light will actually turn off the melatonin production. So uh, the other hormone that you want to understand is cortisol. And obviously, if you've been, if uh, your audience knows about uh, adrenal fatigue, HPA axis dysfunction, more uh, appropriately termed, I suppose, because uh, the adrenals are not actually getting fatigued. We can go into that. So that's separate. Um, that's uh, your cortisol is your primary uh, stress hormone. It's like the second responder after, you know, adrenaline basically, right? And uh, it's released by your adrenal glands. It gives you alertness. So cortisol is your alertness hormone. 
Uh, and it also has a regulatory mechanism, and that's called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, the HPA axis. Um, and uh, basically the way that cortisol works properly is that it rises 30 minutes after you wake up and then it gradually declines throughout the rest of the day. And it makes sense because at the end of the day, you don't want a lot of alertness. You want to be able to sleep. You would imagine melatonin is probably going to be higher because remember it's secreted in darkness. So you're going to get it naturally speaking, sunset onward, right? You're going to get more and more melatonin and it would start to drop in the morning, right? That would make sense. So these hormones almost work in, you know, it's synchronously, but in opposite directions. One's your alertness hormone, one is your, um, your stay asleep hormone. So you can imagine that if one or both of these is offset, you can have a different flavor of insomnia or a different flavor of other sleep disturbances. If you have too high cortisol at the end of the day, your body is not breaking down cortisol at the end of the day. Maybe your melatonin, maybe you're doing all the, the light exposure things, but your cortisol is off. So yeah, you might be able to stay asleep because melatonin is good, but your cortisol is too high, so it's hard to fall asleep. Different variations here, right? So that's why it's important to get tested and understand what's actually going on so that you can get an appropriate uh, treatment plan for you. Um, so we talked about the, you know, the trends in both of those. So uh, one of the reasons, but probably the most common reason why our sleep pattern is offset is because our light exposure patterns doesn't resemble the natural environment and our stress pattern does not resemble natural environment. Think about it. Cortisol was made so that, okay, hey, tiger, adrenaline, right? Epinephrine, norepinephrine, and then cortisol follows for that continued alertness to make sure once you have run and you're safe, cortisol stays high to just make sure it's gone. Except that these days, you get an email, you get your boss saying something to you, you get a family member say something to you, every single thing becomes an emergency and cortisol gets stimulated because it's like, okay, there's another stressor. Um, as an estimate, the amount of stressors, social stressors that we were exposed to a hundred years ago in a lifetime, you know, so let's say village drama or whatever, right? Like whatever we were exposed to stressors in a whole lifetime, a hundred years ago, we now experience that in one day. Wow. We have so many more stressors today than ever before, which is why it is so much more important to, like you talk about, stay hydrated and do all these, you know, eat well. And it's not about being perfect. It's about giving yourself the best chance because this modern life that we live is so far out of alignment with what's natural. But we can do some intelligent things to create a little bit of, uh, of, of, of a natural environment. And uh, if you want to we can jump into those uh, strategies or we can chat for a little bit and then jump into that. I, it's, first of all, it's just incredible. Over a lifetime, 100 years ago, during a lifetime of 100 years ago, the same amount of stressors we'd experienced during that lifetime we experienced in what could be a day today. That's just incredible. Scroll through your Facebook feed and tell me if you don't already feel more stressed. And That's here's an easy way incredible. to test it. Take a day off from your phone like a 
true technology fast for a day and then scroll through Facebook first thing the following morning. You'll notice. You'll notice. Wow. We're not That's made incredible. for this. We're not. No. But we can be smart about it too because it's the world we live in now. Yes. Excellent. So that's, so if I recap two things that you said that stood out to me. So as it comes to the idea of being healthier with your sleep habits and getting your body clock reset, we'll, we'll get to that in a second on a little bit more details and strategies and tips. But I heard, you know, the basic starting point is awareness and we need to become aware of two things, uh, melatonin and cortisol and how those are really meant to work in our body. Melatonin being the stay asleep hormone cortisol being the alertness hormone. And so ideally we want more cortisol at the beginning of the day, tapering off towards the end of the day and melatonin, which is released when there's no light. We want to be, you know, naturally with the sun setting, et cetera. We want that to be higher at the end of the day. Hence why people are probably taking melatonin supplements. supplements yeah. Here's something to keep mm -hmm. in mind though. Melatonin or any other supplement, if you take a supplement, it can give you immediate relief. Uh, this, uh, this is not a sweeping statement. There's some people that constantly, or that, that always need a certain supplement because of how their body type is and, and whatnot. And there's certain things that we just won't get enough of in our day-to-day -day life through diet, like vitamin B12, good to take a supplement. But if you're taking a supplement in the short term to solve a problem, right? And I'm talking about like general generally good for you stuff. Uh, melatonin is something that you would take in the short term because you're having trouble sleeping. The only problem is that if you're, if you take in something, your body's not going to make it. It's the thermostat. The body's going to be like, Hey, we have melatonin. We don't need to make anymore. We're good. Lower the rate. So if anything, wouldn't it make more sense to create an environment that stimulates your body's own production of melatonin so that it's in healthy balance? Um, and Another thing is that, uh, so melatonin is also an antioxidant. If hypothetically, uh, your, you know, your antioxidant intake is low standard American diet, not enough fruits and vegetables, whatever. Right. Um, melatonin can act to remove some of those free, free radicals. If melatonin is being used for that, probably not being used to help you stay asleep because it's getting broken down. You know, all these things play the body is this incredible interconnection of hormones and neurotransmitters and the gut microbiome that's a whole nother topic you know the bacteria that live in our gut and the interaction that they have with us it's if we just learn to respect how we were made a little bit more we tend to solve some of these things it's an excellent observation around the melatonin and even how you know taking it regularly could the, the, the potential pitfall is you know, that we won't actually be, um, you know, creating that melatonin naturally. And that makes a ton of sense. I never thought about it that way. And far. not to mention that might even not, not, that might not even be what your individual problem is. Maybe your challenge is that cortisol is too high. Mm. It might not be a melatonin issue at all. Right. So mm. uh, you don't know unless you test. Mm. Yeah. We want that visibility. So you have more of a sniper approach rather than the shotgun approach. Right. Now you have a number one ranked video, correct me if I'm wrong, if this is a, a, at least this was a, an excellent video on resetting your circadian rhythm yes. on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Now, um, 
I would love for you to just kind of, you, you talked about the hormonal side of things, but just the circadian rhythm in general, what is it and why does it matter? Can you talk to me a little bit about the circadian rhythm? Yeah. So the circadian rhythm, um, you know, we have a body clock cycle for everything, uh, influences hormone levels, brain activity, cell regeneration, immune function, you name it, it's probably involved. Um, we are not a nocturnal species. There are some people that have a genetic mutation that actually allows them to sleep in smaller bursts and stay awake a little bit more at night. A little bit different situation there. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about for, you know, generally speaking, right? Circadian rhythm matters. And I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I've been, uh, I work night shift. Um, you know, my, I have been doing it for the last several years, uh, you know, pays better money than the day shift, all that stuff. And I will say this lovingly from somebody that worked on wall street, and this is not a knock against the company. It's just, you know, it's a, it was a difficult time to be there. It was during the crash 2008 and beyond, right? It was a stressful environment, but I did it because I felt whatever was to come next, it would be beneficial to have the funding to make that happen. And thank God, because I could start this business, I go to medical school, I met my wife there, you know, like, life became better because I made that sacrifice for so long. But that I knew that wasn't going to be the long term game. I knew that there was going to be a time that I would need to leave. And it's the same thing with the night shift. Unfortunately, you can't outrun Mother Nature. And it's just a conversation to have with yourself to say, okay, you know, I got to get my body clock right. Um, is there another line of work that I can uh, apply myself to? Um, so that's a little bit about the body clock, but really most of that video, uh, and I did a follow-up one to it too. It was a little bit more in depth or uh, I talk about, okay, so, you know, it's important, right? I talk about the melatonin and cortisol in it. That's how, you know, th those rhythms work. Um, but what can you do to fix it, right? What are some of the things to think about, uh, to explore? Uh, and the first one, as you can imagine, is fixing your light exposure, fixing your light exposure. Um, the best way to do this is to get plenty of sunlight during the day, which a lot of us, I am so guilty for it today because I've been on one zoom call after another, don't spend enough time out there in the sun. Uh, that's the closest thing to sunlight and this fake white light that resembles sunlight that's right next to me, right? Um, so sunlight is not just necessary for vitamin D production. It also triggers a protein called melanopsin. And melanopsin uh, causes us to become more alert and more energized. And it's been found that this protein, the presence of this protein as a hormone uh, in the blood uh, triggers is responsible for synchronizing the brain's uh, uh, synchronizing the brain clock, basically. So when you travel and you're in a different time zone, it's that sunlight exposure that triggers melanopsin for you to say, okay, this is, you know, toward the end of the day, even though back on the West Coast, it was, uh, you know, in the afternoon. Uh, it was really interesting because recently uh, my wife and I went to visit two dear friends in, uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and they are on like the westernmost end 
of the Eastern time zone. Whereas in that area, everybody else is kind of like central time. So it was so weird to see, you know, light in the sky at like 10 PM, you know, not, not a lot, but you know, just a little, but nine o'clock looked like six o'clock here, you know? So the melanopsin was a little confused, but what's really interesting about melanopsin is that it is only triggered by blue light, not by orange light. So if we're indoors most of the day, again, this is an alertness brain clock hormone If we're inside most of the day, we're not getting enough of that natural sunlight to trigger the melanopsin. Um, rather we're getting it from our devices, right? So we're getting all this blue light from our devices that keep us alert toward the end of the day and screw up our brain's ability to sense what time of day it is. Just slightly, but just enough to make a difference, right? Um, so it's seeing blue light when the brain is not expecting to see blue light because in natural circumstances, the sun starts to set, you know, that blue light from the sun starts to disappear. Um, so that leads me to the second point on uh, fixing your light exposure, which is obviously reducing the usage of your devices in the evening. So your phones, laptops, TVs, and if you must use them, thankfully on iPhones, and I think Android has a feature like this, Windows does too, um, it uh, will start to shut down or start to change the color temperature on your screens to cut out or reduce that blue light. Um, it's not perfect but it's a very good start and it should just be on by default. I think it's called night shift on iOS and you can fit, you can find it on the others. Um, so uh, the other thing, two prongs here. Yeah. Two prongs here. If I, if I just kind of, if I'm hearing you right in, in fixing a broken circadian cycle or circadian rhythm of our body's natural kind of wake up and fall asleep times. Right. So if we have a broken cycle because we've overworked, uh, you know, late into the hours because we're in a bubble in our office, literally where you and I were working for a period, right? Where there was oh, no, we had no idea. We had you remember no that idea. What time there was no, no access to the windows. So it could be, you know, it could be 7 p.m. and feel like 10 a.m. Except the fact that you were tired as heck, but you know. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, so you, your body was confused. Yeah. Your body was confused, right? And so what I'm hearing is, hey, if you have a cycle that might be broken, whether you're what, no matter what your situation, right. the first strategy here, it sounds like, is, is understanding the importance of light. Yeah. And there's two prongs to it, which is more sun early yep. and less device late. Yes, Is that exactly. the summary if I were and to... Because I want to make sure I'm hearing you right. Exactly. And especially getting that sunlight early in the day. So if you're going to have your morning cup of coffee at home, let's say, sit in the backyard, you know, sit in the backyard, enjoy your cup of coffee. You know, even if you want to get on your phone and read the news, whatever, do it outside. You know, take a in a little sun. Right now, at six in the morning, it's like 90 degrees here. So it's not that fun. I'm still trying to do it because I know that once I start working, I'm going to be in this bubble, you know, if on certain days where it's just back to back, it's just the reality. But if you can, in the morning, your morning routine, and we'll get to that too, uh, habits and routines. Uh, if you can implement getting that sunlight 20 minutes in the beginning of the day, and it could be in the form of exercise or going for a walk outside, right? All those things, regardless of what season it is, you know, back uh, on the East Coast, the winter was the time you didn't want to go outside. Now I'm, I'm the flip. You don't want to go outside in the summer here. 
but uh, you just make it happen because you know it's that important. That's why I wanted to, I want to teach why it's important, uh, not just saying, oh, yeah, get more sunlight. But why? Why is it important? Absolutely. Um, so strategy, uh, oh, actually, I also wanted to mention having proper light exposure also matters when you're sleeping. So blocking out the extra light in your bedroom is super important because that's going to support your proper melatonin levels, right? To stay asleep uh, because it's upregulated in the darkness. So if your bedroom has too much outside light coming in, um, what's interesting is even if you wear a face mask, your skin has photoreceptors. You don't have to see the light with your eyes for your body to know for melanopsin to get triggered, right? In, in during the daytime and for like you have photoreceptors in other parts of your body too. So you can't trick your chronobiology. Like it's so you want as much darkness in the room as possible. So uh, use blackout curtains to just make your bedroom as completely black as possible, as uh, as as dark as possible, and um, and then uh, you know don't. Bring your phone into the bedroom. Leave your Huge. phone in the office or another room. And it has so, this one changed my life. I can't tell you. Not only does it stop you from the middle of the night, you get up to go to the bathroom, right? You're going to get some light in your eyes, like unless you want to make a mess. But yeah, you're going like, to let some light in. But what's worse is when you lay down and you're like, okay, let me just, let me just check see you know oh notification then you're on twitter then you're like oh wait a second now i can't sleep i'm too energized because i read maybe it was something inspiring maybe i saw one of tj's posts i'm like this is really great but now i can't sleep right it doesn't matter if it's good or bad you're too engaged now keep the phone out of the bedroom and that has the other benefit of in the morning you are not giving away your power to anyone else you get to start your day. You get to go outside and spend 20 minutes in the sun. You get to meditate. You get to journal. You get to do it the way you want to do it, right? And you get to start your day on your terms. You reclaim your morning and you get your life back. Um, and, uh, you know, I even, I didn't even enjoy journaling until I started this routine of keeping my phone away and, and, uh, and, you know, reviewing my goals and, and, uh, you know, tracking my, you know, my, uh, nutrition, everything during the day. So I made a, uh, a free journal. Uh, you can get it at drkjournal.com, drkjournal.com, but that's what I do every morning. I get up, I don't look at my phone and I spend some time outside journal on the iPad, it's still a tech device, but I don't look at the mess. I don't have notifications on it. So that's how I save myself from that. Um, and, uh, and start your day that way. Now you've fixed the light exposure problem from your phone and you have more personal power because you're starting your day on your terms. Once you do your visualization, your meditation, your prayer, whatever it might be, then you look at your phone and you are mm. much more emotionally resilient. That's a bonus tip. I wasn't even planning on talking about that. Now, on that point here, <laughs> one thing I heard, I heard this once, and we, we, we do have some questions um, from those who have joined us for the live session. So we'll get to those. We appreciate your questions, guys. We're going to get to those. One thing I heard, and this just really resonated with me, is that um, you wouldn't invite the random person on Instagram into your bedroom so why are you inviting the random people 
yeah. on Instagram into your bedroom. Right. By the way, while you're in your pajamas, when yeah. you first get up in the morning and haven't even had your glass of water, gone to the bathroom, are they the first people you want to see? Are they the first people? Seriously. They are. And when I started thinking about that, I started changing so much in my, just my thought process. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to invite them into my home. I can virtually guarantee that your stress levels throughout the day are less. Not to say that the stressors won't be there and, and do their thing, but your resilience will be much greater. And it's a practice. You do it every day. And all of a sudden you, you become so much more powerful. You re, you reclaim your morning, you reclaim your life. It's that simple. Um, so strategy number two for fixing your circadian rhythm and your sleep patterns, getting better sleep is uh, fixing your food habits. So uh, our chronobiology, our circadian rhythm is also affected by our dietary patterns. So we've been told we got to eat three meals a day, snack in between. Um, Useful if you're bodybuilding, let's say, or um, you know, an athlete where you're constantly training and whatnot. But uh, if that's not you, then that food pattern is not natural. Uh, food was a scarce commodity for much of human existence, uh, and if when we're just constantly in a fed state, but if we are in a fed state, we fail to establish the daily rhythms that our metabolism and our gut microbiome, which is the hundred trillion bacterial cells, they outnumber us by a major margin that live in our gut, what they have come to expect in our evolution. So intermittent fasting is actually an excellent way to spend more time outside of the fed state. And uh, additionally, uh, chronobiology research shows us that eating more of our food toward the beginning of the day and less food later in the day has beneficial effects for our body clock and even for weight loss. Um, so I, I always uh, recommend to my clients, you know, eat within a 12-hour window at first uh, with the majority of the food toward the beginning of the day and then gradually reduce that window with, within which you eat uh, and definitely not within three hours of going to sleep because the closer that we can be to a fasted state going into the night, the better we'll sleep. And think about it. Think about it from the standpoint of cortisol and melatonin, right? Cortisol, alertness, up, melanopsin, the protein that is released with sunlight and blue light, up, alertness. Why would you need alertness? To go find food. So clearly if cortisol is highest in the beginning of the day, sustenance let's go find food and then we're going to spend the least amount of energy possible to acquire that food so what are the foods in a a typical human setting that would be the easiest to acquire fruit vegetables like those take the least amount of energy to go and uh consume if that's not scarce if, if that's scarce then we would go hunt elsewhere so uh more toward the beginning and at the end of the day what do you want rest relaxation Digestion takes 30% of our body's energy. So if that mechanism is happening at a high rate at the end of the day, you know, your body is in that alert, digested state, digesting state, it's going to be harder to sleep. So fixing the dietary patterns is tip number two. Got it. Now, question for you. Many people that we talk with high achievers, they're, for example, maybe they're eating lunch at their desk. Right. Maybe they're- Sounds familiar. uh, Right. Maybe they're, maybe they're not, uh, maybe they're not even remembering to eat enough. So they're under eating. What do you say to the person who's under eating, 
who maybe needs to adjust their food habits, but at the same time needs to recognize the importance of the difference in your fed and fasted state and wanting to be in a more fasted state towards the end of the day. Uh, it's also about the quality and the quantity, you know, as much as it is about the timing. If your challenge is under eating, then it might even be the case, try this on for size, it might actually be easier to address that because we usually have more control of our day in the morning than we do as the day goes on. Even if you're not a morning person, you have to admit that fewer people have put demands on your day toward the beginning. By the end of the day, there's either the people that put demands on your day and you, you did that work or put demands on your day and now it becomes tomorrow's problem, right? But all that stuff builds up as the day goes on. But in the morning, you have the best chance to live it on your terms. So if that's the case, what can you do from a nutritional standpoint to maximize that opportunity? Have the most nutritionally dense vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, antioxidants, and uh, you know how, many, how much quality plant food can you get into your body in the beginning of the day? right? And also create enough caloric intake so that that is going to sustain you. You want the total caloric intake to be normal, whether you started it eating at 8 a.m. or finished eating at 8 p.m. You want to have the full amount of calories that your body needs to function. But if you can weight that toward the beginning, right? And uh, then you're going to spend more time in a fasted state as the day goes on. Perfect. So I'm hearing in the fixing your food habits aspect, quality, quantity, and timing are important. Timing being the one you'd focus on first. However, recognizing that people might need to be addressing or even asking themselves, hey, do I have a quantity issue? Right. Right. Do I have a quantity issue to begin with too much or too little? Right. Uh, do I have, do I have a, a quality issue? Right. And, and, you know, where does timing fit into all of that? So not trying to take everything down at once, you know, trying to do quantity, quality, and, and timing all at once, but maybe picking one and saying, and it sounds like timing is the most important one you could probably start with. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly from a body clock perspective, um, I would still recommend quality is super important. And quality simply from subtraction, uh, mm. taking out highly processed foods, artificial mm. foods, um, you know, refined sugars, uh, you know, excess animal products, all that stuff. Uh, and then shifting that toward more whole plant foods, just as they're found in nature, as opposed to, you know, there's, I'm, I'm hundred percent plant-based, um, and an ethical vegan as well, which it's cool to see that there's a lot more options out there like impossible burger, but that is not a health food by any means. Um, and so it's just something to be aware. Just because it's plant-based doesn't mean it's healthy. Like go mm. toward the whole plant, go to produce section. That's simple, you know? Like That's eat, simple. Eat out of the produce section, right? That's so, simple. So anyway, so quality really, really matters. Quantity obviously matters. Time, I mean, yeah, it all matters. Just do the best you can. Do one thing at a time. Or maybe you're somebody that's like, okay, new plan. This is what I'm doing. Self-awareness emotional intelligence. Mm. You got to understand who you are. That's why also working with somebody who's able to help you out will go such a long way. Um, you know, I think some of the best things I've ever done for myself has been 
uh, willing to pay for someone else's expertise. You kick and scream in the beginning, but ultimately you're like, man, that was the right thing to do. Growing <laughs> a business uh, too, right? Amen. It's all, it's all same thing. Amen to that. Now, um, tell me very quickly, I know we're on the second strategy. So we have light as the first strategy, food as the second strategy, and we can nail those down in a little bit more detail as a recap later. Uh, the, before we get to the third one, can you tell me just very quickly, does processed food impact your HPA axis dysfunction? And could uh, you touch on HPA axis dysfunction just quickly, even if I know it's probably its own two-hour session just it to is, talk about uh, it? It is definitely. Um, you, yes, right? If I'm thinking about specific studies, it's going to be hard to be like, okay, well, clearly, you know, hot dogs are bad for your adrenals. Like, we, it's not a natural food. Like, you don't, you don't find the hot dog on the, or you know what I'm saying? Like, we had to create that. It's highly processed, way more sodium than necessary, way, way more everything else, right? Nitrates, like fill, fill in the blanks, right? So um, our gut microbiome, to put it simply, so our gut microbiome regulates 90% of the neurotransmitters in our body, the bacteria in our guts, 90%. So the gut brain axis, that's a real thing, right? And what, what are the neurotransmitters responsible for? Yeah, there you so, go. So it's feeling, it's, so, yeah. it's how we so, feel. I mean, serotonin, like it goes down the line. Um, it's, it's, it's across the board. So, uh, you, it would make sense. Then you'd want to uh, treat your, your gut microbiome to the food that it is uh, most suited for. And uh, it's the evidence, it's a very much a field in its infancy in all, in all honesty, but what we are learning, uh, it, what we're learning now is that fiber, what was previously thought to be, hey, fiber, we can't digest it, insoluble fiber, we can't digest it, it just helps you poop better. It, not the case. Yeah, it does help you poop better. It helps clear up, but it's more than that. Our, there's so many bacterial species in our gut that break down the fiber and make short chain fatty acids from that. And those short chain fatty acids, it appears as though they are utilized in so many different functions in the body. Now, if you don't give your gut the fiber that it needs and you're only going to get whole fiber from whole plants, uh, then it would make sense that your immune function is off. It would make sense that your uh, neurotransmitter function is off and therefore how you think and feel is off, uh, go down the line. So when those things start, again, nothing is in isolation in the body. It's all interconnected. So if you're not treating your gut right, if you're not treating your body clock right with some of those other habits, then certainly it becomes so much easier to fall into the pattern of an HPA axis dysfunction where you know, again, you have a very high level of cortisol that has been produced over the course of time in response to a chronic stressor. So you, the cortisol curve, like we said, it's high in the morning and the taper is off as the day goes on. So if you get yourself tested, uh, typically, uh, and actually I think this ties into uh, Meredith's question here, um, the way that you do that is through what's called the diurnal cortisol salivary test. So you spit into a little vial four times during the day and they map your curve from that. If uh, in a normal 
uh, HPA uh, axis, a normal cortisol curve, you'll find it high in the morning and lower as the day goes on. And there's like a high and low range for each of those uh, times during the day. So if you fall within that window, uh, you're good, right? So that's normal. If you have chronic stress, you might find that that cortisol curve is high throughout the day. It's higher than it should be in the morning. Uh, at noon, it's higher than it should be at that point. It's higher than it should be at the end of the day. It still follows the curve, but that curve is just elevated all the way through. So you get that tired but wired feeling where you're just like, I'm exhausted, but man, I can't sleep. That sort of feeling might be an elevated cortisol curve throughout. Now, what's interesting is that the body is so intelligent that it's like, okay, you know what? Chronic exposure to this cortisol is not good for, because it's flowing throughout your, your, your blood, right? It's an, it comes in contact with your tissues. It's saying, okay, th this high level of cortisol is not good for the rest of the body. So this stressor is not going away. So there is evidence. This is so cool. It's still in relatively early stages. There's evidence to, sh to indicate that the body may be intelligent enough to say, okay, this is a stressor. Let's say it's work. So for this stressor, for going to this office, we're not going to create that same cortisol response. And as a result, you get this curve that then sits below the normal ranges, and that's typically called adrenal fatigue. But the reason that it's not adrenal fatigue is because when the body comes into contact with another stressor, like maybe it's a family stressor, right? the adrenals can mount a response. It's like, oh, new problem. Okay, stress. Because we need that cortisol. It's important. It's, a it's, it's important for our, our survival. But we're not going to turn it on for this stressor that's just not going away, right? So that is burnout, right? Where your, your, your cortisol curve is just low, but it can still respond to a stressor. But if you're in that state, don't try over-exercising. You know, don't try calorie restriction. Don't, like, that's dangerous. Because, but the other thing to understand is that in that state, you are going to probably be leaning toward the cupcakes and those refined sugars and whatnot, because it's quick energy and you need that, but it's also not helpful for you in the long run. It's like short-term survival, but it, it's, it's that understanding of what this looks like um, to the awareness. The, so that you can, yeah, the awareness so that you can start to work on it in different phases and start to, you know, support your body the way it needs to be supported. And, absolutely uh, so that's my absolutely version <laughs> no i mean and, and you did it so well in such a short time you gave us such a good understanding of the connection between not just the gut and the brain but also how that kind of cascades across various elements of your body's normal functioning and the hpa access dysfunction or um i think i said that earlier wrong it was hp i said hp access hpa access dysfunction really at the core of what you were talking about there or, or burnout as we commonly understand it or adrenal fatigue is a different um, different kind of versions of the same thing am i getting yeah. around it right yeah yeah it's just different so ways of yeah maybe looks different for one person versus another but they're kind of all kind of revolving around the same place and, and what I'm hearing too is as we're navigating some of these changes that we need to make in our lives, for example, one signal, oh, my sleep sucks. Either I can't get to sleep or when I go to sleep, I can't stay asleep, right? Or when I get up in the morning, I don't feel rested at all. These are all signals that tell me something's wrong 
And I now have some practical strategies too, of which we're going to get to the third one, but I now have these practical strategies to at least start addressing, start working on it, not to be perfect. And to your point earlier, which I love, you said you don't need to be perfect, but to just give yourself the best chance. Give yourself just a to chance. give yourself That's a chance. You'll be surprised what's possible when you just give yourself a chance. And it's, I mean, that ties into all the mindset stuff that we talk about too, right? Just the, the take the, take your foot off the brakes and just, you'd be surprised. Yeah. So yeah. strategy so three. Let's talk about strategy three, please. Yes. Uh, creating powerful, repeatable nighttime habits. Um, so uh, we truly are creatures of habit, right? That's, we're talking about body clocks. So what does that mean? Uh, patterns, routines, habits. If our nighttime has no routine, how can we expect our body to somehow have a routine? So it's important to find a way to just wind down at the end of the night. And that means creating habits around time, create habits, habits around place and actions that lead up to bedtime. Obviously, not something that's going to be perfect every day. If you're traveling, clearly it doesn't apply exactly, but there's elements of it that you can repeat to just give your brain enough of a trigger to say, okay, it's time to sleep, right? So strive to get into bed the same time every night. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I, I don't end up living this one much at all, but the other habits are, are fairly strong. So it, it allows me to fall asleep pretty quickly and stay asleep. Um, but also the other important thing is the place. Make sure that your bedroom is only used for sleep and sex. No TV, not for work, definitely not for work. We want to create that psychological connection that, you know, how we fire it is how we wire it, right? So if we constantly, if we only use that room for sleep, we can fall asleep much better. Um, and then also the actions creating a ritual for yourself at night that, with practice will create that unconscious habit that will lead to sleep. So this could be reading fiction from a book, uh, but not from a blue light emitting iPad. Uh, it could include meditating or some very light yoga, just anything that relaxes you. Um, and another thing that you can do is create a routine that includes a contrast shower uh, before bed. Probably not a good idea if you've got any diagnosed medical conditions, so consult a physician first. Um, but basically how it works is uh, you start with warm, maybe a normal temperature that you'd normally do, and then quickly switch it to cold for 10, 15, 30 seconds, whatever you can tolerate, then go back to hot for another minute, and then back to cold. And you can repeat it a few times and finally end on cold. Uh, you wouldn't warm yourself up with a towel, just dab yourself so you're not wet. And uh, what that does is that resets, the, the hypothalamus is also responsible for your temperature regulation. So it's kind of like a quick reset button for the temperature regulation part of your hypothalamus. And uh, it makes your hypothalamus say, okay, well, okay, okay, now I found balance again, right? So if it was constantly out of balance, now it hits the reset button and it finds balance. It seems to have an effect on sleep as well because this hypothalamus is still one uh, organ that uh, does a lot of things. Um, and then another bonus tip too, this has been really helpful sometimes uh, is, if I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and then I just can't fall back asleep, take a quick three minute, five minute contrast shower and come back helps a lot. Um, so that's, uh, those are routines at the end of the day. The other thing is of course, like we mentioned earlier, leave your phone outside your bedroom. Do not sleep with your phone. Huge. 
the phone aspect. So I've had my phone outside my bedroom for years now with it on airplane mode. And yeah. that has been, if there's one thing that has changed my sleep schedule and my sleep quality outside of nutrition, it has been having my phone on airplane mode outside my bedroom. And uh, that's like 98% of my uh, nights. I don't have my phone in my bedroom. I mean, it's a, it's a thing. Like <laughs> when I say nights, I mean, if I had my phone in my bedroom, there was, it was doing something and, but you know, so not religious about it, but to the point where it's, it's a desire, it's not even a discipline anymore. I don't want my phone in the bedroom. And my wife and I both agreed on that. You know, when we got married, there was an adjustment, you know, you're now sharing a bed with somebody. And so we, we were, you know, talking about, well, what do we, you know, see as like a, just practically our best habits for us. And, um, you know, that was one that we both agreed on very quickly. And we said, you know, we, we really want to protect our sleep because we understand how important it is. We understand how it's going to really be beneficial, not just for our own personal health, for our marriage. And, um, and it's something that's really just helped me practically. So I, I cannot stress enough the importance of not just phone outside your bedroom, but even just keeping on your airplane mode. For those of you listening, I think that's a really practical, helpful tip that has really just changed my life. Um, Absolutely. Outside of, again, outside of nutrition, outside of nutrition changes, which I, you know, working with a dietitian for years, several dietitians for years, um, it's been a game changer. Now, a couple of questions, a couple of questions. And before we do, I just want to recap the strategies. We'll do this again, but I just sometimes it's helpful to just repeat, right? So number one, it sounded like it was light. So we need more sun early, less device light late. And we really want to focus on blocking out the extra light in the bedroom, if as much as possible, uh, just so that we can really try and help our body in the production of melatonin, because that happens in darkness. Is that correct for strategy number one? Correct. Yep. Excellent. Strategy number two, I'm hearing fix your food habits. Uh, focus on timing. And of course, looking at quality and quantity as well, but understanding that you want your body in a more fasted state before bed. So simple rule just have your last meal three hours or completely stop eating three hours before bed so you can give your body the best chance, which I love that. I'm going to use that. That's an amazing way of saying it. Just give your body the best chance. It feels like I'm supporting me when, yeah. when I say that in a healthy way. Exactly. Um, right. So th that, and anything to add there in strategy number two recap? Awesome. Love it. Great. Strategy three, I'm hearing habits or routines, rhythms, we like to call it for winding down. I'm hearing time triggers, place triggers, and relaxation triggers. So time triggers, maybe same time each night. That's definitely one we suggest for people as well, um, just as a simple practice. Um, one thing I didn't mention that's really interesting is when Karthik and I reconnected, one of the things that we reconnected about was I was telling him, hey, you know, I'm, I'm looking for somebody who would be uh, a, a, you know, a relevant expert for the topic of sleep. It's one of our six core pillars to basic health and it's really fundamental to a lot of the work we do. And he goes, well, I have five core pillars and sleep is one of the pillars. And so <laughs> we connected on this and we, and it's like, wow, you know, it's so amazing. It's not rocket science, but it's so amazing that on the journey to fulfillment, on the journey to a healthier life, on the journey to finding really what people are looking for in life, which is peace, joy, freedom, you know, all of these things, like the practicals, like sleep. You know, it's so, it's so vitally important. You cannot overlook it. And sometimes I wish it were more complicated, but it's not. Mm. It, it's not. I mean, the time trigger that you mentioned, just to finish out that third strategy, the time trigger that you mentioned, so important, having just consistency in your time, going to bed and waking up. 
the place trigger, love this, just the category of saying, hey, my bedroom is for making love and, and you know, having great rest. Like that is what my bedroom is for. And just like almost putting it as a brand placement, your, your room is standing for that and giving protection or placing boundaries around it. Um, when you step into your room, that's what you're, you're there for. And the last one, the relaxation triggers. I never really thought right. about it that way, but reading is so powerful. I mean, man, I love reading, but I will be knocked out if I try and read towards the end of the day. And it really is a relaxation trigger for me. I have a stack of books next to my bed. I don't try and read one book at a time. I try and read whatever is of interest to me. That works for me. I'm sure it works different for everybody else. Um, but those, I think those are phenomenal, phenomenal strategies. And I think just even to the point of recognizing, if I were to kind of put an umbrella around it, Karthik, you mentioned this at the beginning, but if I were to put an umbrella around it, it's like, hey, you know what? For some people, just setting your alarm to go to bed and setting your alarm to wake up and making it a priority, yeah, that's not enough. And the most important thing you can do behind all of this, aside making those strategic changes, is get some visibility, right? Yeah. Get some visibility into what are your cortisol levels looking like throughout the day, especially if you're wired at night, tired in the morning, or having any sort of maybe like, um, I, I don't want to say fatigue, because fatigue is a normal thing, but chronic fatigue, right. Right? right? You know, if you're having consistent patterns of low energy, and if you're trying to make some of these changes, and you're still not seeing some success or results that you want, it's probably for a reason and I would strongly encourage you to get maybe another set of eyes on it. Um, and maybe even, you know, for me, one of the things that we did, and we didn't talk about it here, but we actually pulled up my, uh, we pulled up my spit test on the addressing adrenal dysfunction yeah. um, series. And we showed everybody where I was at, you know, yeah. we showed everybody where, where my cortisol levels were at and what I needed to work on. And, and I'm telling you, it just, it gives you so much more confidence when um, we had Ben on, he's actually my personal trainer currently, and he's a dietitian as well. He said, you know what? The, the solution, he's from Germany, he said, the solution for anxiety is competency. When you understand more about the issue, then you feel like you have more control over how to address it. And you don't feel so powerless in the situation. I was like, man, that's genius. And I, I as it relates to sleep, I think your point around getting visibility early on, I think if we umbrellaed everything you said with it's, you got to get some visibility in here to see what's going on. So you can feel more competent about addressing it. To me, that is like the most empowering thing somebody can have uh, in their life. Yeah, Just to know what's going on. And that's actually strategy five, but I'm going to jump to strategy four real quick because I think it unlocks strategy five too. Strategy four is fixing your psychology around sleep what you believe about sleep, because look, you're a high achiever. I get it. We, we live a life where it's, it's all about doing the best you can, delivering the most value, winning as much as possible. And we won't take an excuse. I get it. If you think that sleep is for the weak and that I'll sleep when I'm dead, think again, because if you want emotional health, if you want great brain health, Sleep is non-negotiable. And if you're constant, if you constantly feel uh, the sleeping is in opposition to your productivity, you're unconsciously going to be fighting your body clock. You're going to be laying in bed thinking of all the things that you need to do. 
because I could be doing them right now instead of trying to sleep. Work with your body's rhythms, and I guarantee you, you will do even more extraordinary work because when you are, you cannot understand how good it feels to be your optimal self until you get there. And then you look back and you're like, whoa, how did I function? All for the guys that I wanted to be productive. You know, sleep is not a waste of time. It's not a waste of time. If you want to get up early to get more peace of mind to stay, you know, get some quiet time in the morning, go to bed earlier. I used to think going to bed at nine o'clock was for old people. Now I go to bed at nine. It's awesome, <laughs> you know? And I wake up a little bit later too. I used to, I used to sleep 10 o'clock to four o'clock, six hours. Couldn't do it anymore. Burn myself out. It's not worth it. Absolutely you, no if, way. If your purpose <laughs> on this earth not. is to do more great things for other people and serve other people and create something amazing and be valuable, right? Do something valuable. It's not just about what you produce today. It's about what you can do over your lifetime. And if you burn out by the time you're 40, 50, 60, what's the point? Why not fix your psychology around sleep and say, sleep is for productivity. Sleep is for service. Sleep is for being the best version of myself. And that alone can go such a long way. Now, number simple five. Mindset shift. That's a simple yeah. mindset shift, but it's a powerful one. It's a powerful what's one. Number, what's number five? And number strategy? five is seeing a licensed naturopathic physician or a creative <laughs> doctor. Because look, I get it. You don't have time to go see a doctor. You'd rather buy a supplement at Costco. By the way, you buy a supplement at Costco, you don't know what you're getting in there. They might not even be what you're paying for. There's no regulation on it. You want to get your supplements from a reputable source, from the manufacturer, or from a place like fullscript.com uh, or through your physician uh, where you can get those supplements at the, the highest quality medical grade, the stuff that we prescribe because it's that good, right? That's where you want to be getting your supplements from. But you don't know what you're supplementing for unless you know what you're dealing with, right? I gave you the example earlier and I'll just reiterate it. You know, you can't sleep at night. So it's like, all right, melatonin. I heard about that on a podcast. I'm going to go buy a melatonin supplement from Amazon. Maybe it doesn't even have melatonin in it, but maybe it does. Maybe placebo, whatever, right? But nonetheless, maybe it starts working a little bit, maybe it doesn't. But the real reason is that your HPA axis was off and your cortisol is too high. You wouldn't know unless you tested, right? And uh, so I, I, can't, I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, it's worth it. It's worth it. You will save yourself so much aggravation. Um, and, uh, you know, especially somebody that is, truly trained in lifestyle medicine and can really help you uh, along those uh, ways will uh, we'll go a very long way. So those are my five tips. And I actually, I do have a bonus tip. And this is actually part of creating a sleep environment, but it's one that I had to implement recently. And it probably won't be an issue unless you live in a place like Arizona. Our bedroom is mostly a window and it faces the West. You can imagine how hot it gets at the end of the day in the summers, right? So you walk into that room, it's 80 degrees. You try to sleep in 80 degrees, ain't happening, right? We have central air, right? But for whatever reason, 
the air conditioning gods in this house decided to dump all that cold air in another room and not our bedroom. So I suffered with it for like a year and then into this summer. And then finally, uh, my wife was like, you know what? Why don't we just get you? Cause she was, she's able to sleep. She likes a little bit more warm, uh, you know, actually optimal bedroom temperature for sleep. Uh, studies have shown it's somewhere, it depends per person, but anywhere from like 65 to 72 degrees um, in that range, but 80 degrees, way too hot for me. Right. Um, so anyway, she's like, let's just get a, a portable AC unit with the one on wheels that you, you know, you take the tube and you put it in the wall, not the one that sits in the window. Like this is even less cool than that. Um, but yeah, pop that thing to 68 degrees. I've been sleeping like a baby the last couple of weeks, right? It was that little extra step that I needed that just, I literally felt like I had a whole bunch of melatonin in my system, probably because I did, but it felt like I took a bunch of melatonin, uh, you know, rather than producing it. But yeah, uh, make sure your bedroom temperature is nice and cool. Mm, I love that. That's a, that, that resonates with me. I try and, I try and keep a cool bedroom myself. Nice little we have a question. We say again. No, 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 never mind. We have a question here. <laughs> we, have a, we have a question from Meredith. Um, yes. Any insights on histamine intolerance uh, and the relation to estrogen, cortisol, and women's cycle? Um, you know, just generally speaking, I think trying to get visibility, it sounds like, and trying to understand how cortisol interacts, estrogen, and there's, right. there's so much there. So from the histamine side, I'll be honest with you, I would need to get back to you on that, uh, on some of the latest research on that regard. Uh, but however, sex hormones, uh, actually, you know, uh, cholesterol is the, the same precursor for everything uh, we're talking about eventually. Uh, but yes, if your body's trying to produce more cortisol, in theory, that can be pulling away from the other hormones that need to be made. So for instance, you have pregnel pregnenolone, which becomes progesterone, obviously one of the important uh, female hormones. Uh, but men have progesterone too. We just have different normal values, right? All these, all these uh, hormones are common to both uh, men and women. It's just that our bodies require different amounts uh, because of the female menstrual cycle, right? So uh, progesterone becomes cortisol. Uh, pregnenolone also can turn into uh, DHEA. DHEA can become testosterone or estrone to estradiol, estriol, the estrogen, E2 and E3. So uh, biochemically speaking, if the body needs to produce more cortisol, uh, it's, it can conceivably take some of that cortisol away from that pregnenolone to DHEA pathway and then everything else below it. So for instance, in my case, I had um, high cortisol at one time, then turned into uh, the burnout form of HPA axis dysfunction, uh, but it also led to low testosterone. So that cortisol was being produced for so long that uh, my testosterone balance was uh, like, I'm talking what would be normal for a 70 year old male in my mid thirties. Wow. Right. It was that wow. bad because I didn't pay attention to any of these things that I ta taught you about today, which has since been fixed. Thank goodness. Right. Uh, the high achiever lifestyle is not conducive to long-term health. Uh, not to mean that you can't be a high achiever just means give your body the best chance. 
and then be a high achiever. It works so much better that way. So yes, um, you can have an imbalance in both progesterone and estrogen, most importantly, obviously, for uh, you know when the cortisol curve is out of balance. That's why it's just really important to uh, address the whole system. Now, in my case with the testosterone, it was so low and you know, one of the things that can help boost testosterone is, is weight training, but I wasn't able to support weight training with what I was doing at the, or with where my uh, HPA axis was at the time. So what we did was with my doctor was we, because doctors make the worst patients. Okay. We can't treat ourselves. If we can't treat ourselves, please don't treat yourself. <laughs> you know, like we, we can't make a rational judgment with ourselves. I had to be like, all right, doc, tell me what to do. I know what you, why you're telling me these things, but just tell me what to do it. So I'll listen. Right humans, we are very interesting creatures. Anyway, uh, so what we did was we supported the production of testosterone by supplementing DHEA. And then we, I also took a little bit of aerosolized inhaled testosterone. So not as much that you would get, uh, you know, let's say in uh, injection form or anything else, but, uh, but just a little bit to support starting to slowly feel better. We t I did adaptogenic herbs like ashwagandha, uh, Panax, uh, ginseng, Panax quinquefolius, a whole bunch of others, uh, and um, slowly started to restore the balance in that HPA axis and then eventually stopped taking the testosterone, stopped taking the DHEA so that you, know, the, the, you want the body to be creating its own balance, right? Yes. Um, so to answer your question, um, yes, I, I hope that answered the question a little bit about how estrogen and cortisol can interplay. And there was also a question that you had about, um, testing, uh, multiple times a day with cortisol. Yes. Um, because you can get a blood test for AM cortisol, but it only tells you part of the story. It would only tell you, assuming you were fasted and you took your, you went to the blood draw at like 8am, uh, that would only tell you what your cortisol is at that point in time. It doesn't necessarily tell you where it is at the end of the day. Cause sometimes you might have normal cortisol in the beginning of the day and it might still be high at the end of the day, right? It's just the way that cortisol is broken down in your body might need to be adjusted. That's why it's so important to just get the proper testing and work with somebody that knows what they're doing. Yes. So. Excellent question for you. So what I'm, you know, if I recap that, what I'm hearing is there may be situations where this, where it's, you know, it's, important to get the right supplementation of particular hormones even uh but you know or the adaptogens the combination of whatever it might be to try and help your body get back to balance in tandem with the lifestyle changes you're describing today right. in order to 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 bring yourself back to it from that we talked about that pyramid at the beginning from a place of you know now i'm in got it got a baseline of recovery I can now support myself, get back to some weightlifting, exercising, whatever it might be that I know will help naturally increase my testosterone levels in your example. Right. But in order to get to that place of recovery, you might really need some assistance at some point in time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, working with somebody who does this day in and day out uh, helps big time, helps big time. Absolutely. We have another question just quickly. Um, then we'll recap and close. And I do have a question for you before we close, just, a, you know, hopefully a quick tip for everybody on their way out. You've given some great tips already, but one more, just one more. But we have a question just related to autoimmune disease, which a lot of people describe um, different versions of autoimmune. This one particular person uh, said they have an autoimmune called Wagner's. And since they were diagnosed, they haven't been able to sleep through the night. Now, 
that's a very vague kind of question because there's so many details that are probably missing there. But they, they asked any advice. Would you have any advice as a starting? So um, my understanding, are you talking about the, the eye disorder that leads to um, a progressive vision loss? Um, if so, with autoimmune conditions, we're talking about an overactive immune system, right? So uh, certain uh, tendencies that we might want to do, especially right now to prevent getting sick from a certain thing that is going around, uh, might not be the best option in its purest form to just purely boost immune function. What's more important is to modulate immune function and certain herbs like ashwagandha can really help. But again, don't go out and buy a supplement just because I'm talking about it here. Work with a doctor that can give you some individualized care because please just be smart about it. it and it, what does modulate mean? Just so that we know the so difference an immune modulate and blunting. Yeah, so an immune modulator uh, as an herb, let's say like ashwagandha, can help if you have a lower immune system activity, can help raise it. And this is, I'm talking very, very high level here, uh, not going to any depth whatsoever. Uh, if it's too high, it can bring it a little bit back in normal range. It's an adaptogen. It's a slow acting. Uh, adaptogenic herbs help you uh, mod modulate stress response and bring all those things back into normal. And the same thing with uh, immune response. Um, the other thing with immune function, it's even more important to have good gut health. So good gut health, like I mentioned uh, before, is uh, tied in with fiber intake. Um, there's actually a brand new book. Uh, I don't know if it's out yet. Let me check. Uh, it's called, uh, yeah, in stock on August 16th. So in four days, uh, I can't wait to get my hands on this book. Uh, I've been following this guy. Uh, I cannot believe I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Dr. Will Bolshewitz, I believe. Uh, he's a, he's a well-known, uh, gastroenterologist, uh, but his book is called Fiber Fueled. And I'll just say this, whether it's autoimmune, whether it's chronic uh, metabolic disease like type 2 diabetes, fill in the blank. Research studies have shown that when you look at all these categories of nutrients that are important for body function, that the deficiency in any one of those categories is correlated to the most chronic disease, right? Obviously, we talk so much about low-carb, high-carb, high-fat, low-fat, high-protein, low-protein. And you know what matters more than anything else? Fiber matters more than anything else. And the RDA, is, you know, it's like 28 to 35 grams is, first of all, way more than what most Americans get. And it's way less than what our ancestors used to eat, closer to 100 grams a day, right? So it's – it's a uh, that book, I would say, is uh, I'm, I'm eager to get my hands on it because he, he always brings up really incredible uh, research articles, um, you know, on his Instagram and all that stuff. And I just nerd out on the papers that he references. Uh, but this will be, I, I guarantee it's going to be a great book, Fiber Fueled. Don't know the guy. Wish I did. I'm sure I'll get to meet him at some point. But uh, check out that book. Uh, but if you feel that the sleep loss ended up becoming more because of stress over, I just got this diagnosis. That's a totally different thing. That is obviously the first thing that came to my mind. 
based right. on how the question was asked. Yeah. And that was what came to my mind too. I just had to, I didn't want to throw in the fiber thing after the fact I wanted to, you know, just, this is important. Look at, but, uh, but here's where I'll be honest with you. Working with a psychotherapist might be really helpful. A therapist, because they, everything that we go through like this is a grieving response. When COVID started, and all these changes in the world happened, we all in our own way went through a grieving response. You could even see it in March. You could see it. Some people were in flat out denial phase, like the, maybe some people are still there, but um, you know, like it's, it's still, uh, it's, it was so fascinating to see where everyone was and to also go through it yourself. So to recognize, okay, I'm experiencing something and to not run from it, but to, like the sadness is there, it's okay to have it, process it. And then once you process it and you get to that stage of acceptance, then you can focus more clearly on, okay, what can I do? And that might be having more fiber. That might be, you know, implementing these other habits, but uh, to properly grieve for anything, any state of reality that is lost to us, uh, we have to properly process it. So I would, I would highly recommend, um, finding a good uh, psychotherapist. My favorite ones are the ones that can do a, a therapy called EMDR. It may or may not even be appropriate to you uh, in the circumstances. That's up to, you know, what, what they, they determine based on their experience and their expertise. Um, but uh, the ones who are trained in that, if EMDR is appropriate to you, EMDR is unbelievably powerful, especially for childhood things, things that have been with you for a long time. But just thought I'd throw that in there. That's incredible that you made a suggestion to go see a therapist. I've been working with a counselor for the last three years myself personally. So yeah. from that experience and, and um, you know, in coaching, sometimes we thread the needle with uh, a counseling moment before moving into a coaching moment. So exactly. um, I understand the importance myself from the receiving end, uh, but also just the fact that you tie in and suggest, I mean, that is an amazing suggestion to even include that aspect as a suggestion for your sleep health is yeah. in your rest, right? Just to allow your body to rest. So you're not in that chronic state of, of worry, of panic, of, um, of being in fight or flight, because your brain might be registering uh, that your body is under threat because you just got this news of something very um, traumatic, potentially even, you know, traumatic meaning difficult to process and given amount of time that you're given that information, which we all have that, right? Absolutely. So I'm just very impressed that that is, uh, that's one of the suggestions there. Dr. K, Karthik, question for you on the way out. Um, before I do, I'd like to recap. We talked about light. We talked about, um, you know, really fixing your food habits, habits for winding down. We talked about fixing your psychology, which is a great suggestion. Mindset before strategy is our MO. And we talked about seeing a licensed uh, naturopathic physician, which I can 100 actually I see a licensed naturopathic physician myself, so I can absolutely support awesome. that. Um, my, my question to you is, what's, uh, what's one way that you've been committed? Because you shared so authentically, which is just amazing because we're, we're not perfect people. We're committed to growth, not perfection. You know? So what, what is, uh, you're on your journey of personal growth right now, right? You talked yeah. about being in a second phase of weight loss for yourself and there's probably a lot of realizations you're having. What's one way in relation to sleep, right? And this topic of kind of supporting your body in that process. What's 
one way, one thing that you've been choosing to commit to on uh, you know, this phase or this season of your personal growth where you're growing a business and taking a lot of your education and experience and, and directing your energy towards, towards, this, um, towards this platform, really, that you've been building yeah. and you know, this, this mission. What's one way practically you've been addressing your health and, um, and staying committed that's been working for you? Uh, I'll be honest, though. It's sleep. It is sleep. Uh, because I was so locked into that mindset of for so many years in college, I would sleep four or five hours a night. When I was at Goldman, I'd sleep five or six hours a night. As I get older, it gets a little bit harder. Medical school, probably six hours a night. Eventually, it got to the point like, I, man, this is not can't do this anymore. And um, it was so in opposition to like, oh, there's all these things in the world that I want to do. How? Uh, but ultimately, my body shut down on me. Last summer is when all this happened with the hypocortisol, HPA axis dysfunction, adrenal fatigue. Uh, it was extreme. My AM cortisol was three, which talking to my, and it was just downhill from there, uh, talking to actually almost a flat line because three is really low. Yeah, give uh, me a scale three on a scale of one to, to uh, what? It, it depends on the, the the way that lab tests because each one's a little bit different. But I think for that lab, uh, normal low was like you know seven to thirteen is like what is the range that you want? I'm like at three. I was at the lowest that any of my doctor friends had seen. Like three? Are you serious? Um, so it was bad. I mean, it was really bad. The testosterone, like I said, was as if my age was twice of what it should be. Uh, so I had to, I just had to say, okay, you know what? I have to learn how to rest. I have to learn how to relax. I have to schedule in days off. I have to schedule in time to vegetate, if, <laughs> to, you know, or just to sit outside or to, you know, just schedule it in because we can find time to do that. And as a result, I feel better. I'm so much more alert, so much more emotionally resilient. Um, you know, I'm able to handle things that come my way. Disappointments have come our way, you know, to say the least with, with the world that we're living in right now. But I've been able to handle it so much better and serve others so much better. And also part of that is the ability to finally listen to your body. So I learned what it was like for me when my HPA axis starts to shift in that direction that I don't want it to. I know what it feels like to me. For me, it feels like my, my lower back starts to ache, like in my kidneys, that's where the adrenals are, above your kidneys, right? I get an, an aching over there. I start to, my thoughts start to change. I feel less empowered, you know? If I start to feel, sound less positive in my head, I know that, okay, it's not a negative voice in my head or any, I've addressed all that, right? EMDR, whatnot. Now it's because I'm tired or I'm approaching being tired. So is there any way that I can move a meeting tomorrow or, uh, you know, start the day a little bit later? I used to always have to wake up at 4 to 5 a.m. to feel like I had a productive day. Now I wake up when my body wants to wake up. You know, most days it's on the dot at 5 o'clock, but it's when my body wants to wake up. It's not when the alarm says. And then a day like today, body said 6 o'clock. And I was cool with that. I had to shift my psychology around that to feel like in the past, if I woke up at six, I felt like I lost my day, you know, because I lost that hour of, 
of, uh, you know, uh, most focus. I'm a morning person. So that's like my most productive time is in the morning hours, but I had to be willing to say, okay, well, maybe if I sleep instead during my most productive hours, that I would be able to stretch my most productive hours to later in the day. And lo and behold, it happens. The willingness to say, I will do what it takes because my end goal, my vision, what I want to do with my life, what you want to do with your life, what everybody here listening wants to do with our lives is more important than some notion about whether sleep is for the weak or not. Prioritize sleep, do the things to give your body the best chance it can with sleep. It will change your life. Everything else starts to fall into place. You'll want to eat better. You'll want to move better. You'll, you'll think better on, on your own. Uh, your relationships can improve, like all sorts of things. And then you start to live not in circumstance, but in wonder. You start to live in wonder of what you can be. And that's just a beautiful place to live. That's amazing. The mindset shift there is super powerful. Um, I am so grateful you spent some extra time with us. You shared not just, uh, you know, I would say the professional side, but also the personal side, which is really, um, it's, I think it's, it's the most valuable. Uh, it's the most valuable for everyone here because it's uh, the most authentic, you know? So really grateful, really, really grateful. And um, yeah. I think that we have, uh, there could be a part two to this in terms of, you know, more that we could share and talk about, but um, everybody listening, very much appreciate you guys being here. If you're listening on the podcast, appreciate you guys being here. If you're, um, if you're just wanting to, to get a quick recap, make sure you know those five strategies to improve your sleep and reset your body cycle. Okay. Focus on light, focus on fixing your food habits, focus on getting your habits or rhythms or routines for winding down done consistently, fix your psychology and see a licensed naturopathic physician. Those are Dr. K's suggestions. He's got more on his YouTube channel and his daily, I'm sorry, weekly show uh, with, with uh, plenty of tips and tricks and all kinds of other things that are going to help you not just make shifts in your life, but also sustainable change, which is what we're about. So Karthik, I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, TJ. It's so great to reconnect and be able to serve the people that you care so much about. Until next time.